Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. But I'm going to start off with, we're going to talk about stories today, and I'm going to read a, a bizarre story that I read this week. Some of you may have seen it in the news. It was crazy what happened. There was a couple of women. One was five months pregnant. The other one was her friend. And they went out hiking in Maine at Rogue's Bluff State, Rogue Bluff State Park in Maine. And they got lost in the fog while they were hiking, and, but they had cell phones. So they called and they got a hold of the Maine Warden Service who they sent an ATV, who tracked them down and their dog. They had a dog with them. They gave them a ride back to their vehicle. They were, gave, found their vehicle, gave them a ride back to their vehicle, and that was it. They got another call, and I wish that was the end of the story, but they got another call, from nine, another 911 call, and the women were in their car in the water. And the, a frantic call saying that we need help. We're, we're, we don't know where we are. We're in the water. And someone come and save us. They tried to find them. They could not find them. They finally found the car. They had, in the fog, after being lost and found, taken back to their car, they started driving, and they took the wrong turn, and they drove off the boat ramp out into the water where they and their dog perished. And it's just one of those... I'm reading this whole story, and if you Google it or watch it, if you've seen it, it was just one of those crazy, crazy, I mean, this is one of those unbelievable things you think, you can't even make something like that up, right? It's like one of those stories that I wish they survived, and then I could, you know, we could tell, you know, more lighthearted stories about this, but they didn't, and it's one of those really, really sad stories that I just won't ever forget it. You know those stories you just never forget? Well, Jesus told many stories like this, unforgettable stories. He was the master, memorable stories. He was the master storyteller. He would tell these vivid stories with these vivid pictures. What are some parables that you really remember that jump out at you? The parable of the prodigal son, one of the great ones, right? And I, lo- I love that one because there's a happy ending to it, right? Some of his parables did not have happy endings. We think of the rich fool, right? And, and how he had a heart attack and ended up in hell. I, you know, and so not all of Jesus' stories were happy ending stories. You know, they, a lot of, some, were, some were the prodigal son, very touching. Some weren't. And, and I'm, we're going to start a section here in Mark where Jesus is starting to tell parables. But first I want to look at why he used these parables. And the title for today is Parables' Powerful, Puzzling Purpose. Say that ten times. <laughs> Fast, right? Parables' powerful, puzzling purpose here. Now, Jesus had just finished a battle with the Pharisees, the religious leaders that taught, taught man-made rules instead of God's word, right? Just like today, we have a lot of that in religious circles, right? And the sermon, we, we looked at the Sermon on the Mount, which was right, came right in the middle of this section here, and Mark went over to Matthew, and how Jesus called them hypocrites. He really upset them, and then they ended up calling him Satan, right? They call him back, called him Satan. Big mistake. They crossed the line because as soon as they did that, Jesus shifts into teaching by parables. Now, parables are an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Like that's the easy definition. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. 
They have a powerful purpose here, and that is to drive home spiritual lessons. These lessons were unforgettable after Jesus taught them. They were something that were very clear and unforgettable unless you were a Pharisee or one of their followers who rejected Jesus Christ. In this case, the parables were not these powerful lessons that brought something home. All you heard was, when Jesus taught his parables, all you heard was blah, 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 blah. Remember the Charlie Brown, you know, thing when the adults talk, you know, they have a horn, you know, some kind of horn honking there. What, Joe, what horn was that they used? French horn. French horn, French horn. I should know that. My sister played that, but and my dad. But the, you know, they just they hear this French horn, you know, because they was unintelligible. Only you know the kids, you know, weren't getting it right, and that's what happened when Jesus taught the parables. All the Pharisees and their followers who rejected him heard was, wah, 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 wah. That's all they heard. Because it was a secret code to them. Until he got to the punchline. And once Jesus got to the punchline, then they got it because it hit him right between the eyes. They knew it was aimed at them and it made him mad. That's one of the reasons they crucified him. They didn't like the story they were, he was telling about them, right? And next week, we're going to start in on all the different parables, some of them that here in Mark chapter 4. But first, I want to see, we're going to look at why he used these powerful, puzzling stories. And I think some of these reasons are going to really surprise us. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us here today. We pray for those who aren't here today, our, our mission team flying right now in the air to the Dominican Republic. We just pray that you would watch over them and, and bless their trip in a powerful way. And, and bring back that blessing to us in a couple of weeks. Lord, we pray for each one of us now as we hear your word and, and, and read your word, that your word would speak to us. We pray for your mercy and grace and your spirit to speak to us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's pick it up with Mark chapter 4. Let's do verse, start with verse 9 here. When? Jesus said, um, we're going to skip the beginning of the parable of the sower. We're going to read that next week. I'm just going to get to the purpose of why he uses these parables. And in verse 9 it says, Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving. And ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Wow. So, first of all, verse 9, he says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And that's the key. That's our clue here and why he's using parables. And being able to hear is, the, is very, very important. I saved an article, or a story years ago from For What It's Worth. Do you remember for the What It's Worth? Uh, Paul Harvey? Paul Harvey? And here's one of my favorites. I saved it right here in this verse. He says, For for what it's worth, department visits Leeds, England, where Harold Fenby tried a hearing aid. But his hearing continued to deteriorate. He had the hospital fit this hearing aid, but it didn't help. So he resigned himself to deafness for 20 years. Now he discovers the hospital had installed the hearing aid in the wrong ear. Switched over, he hears fine. Twenty years. Mr. Mr. Fenby said, quote, Isn't that hilarious? End quote. (laughs) 
can almost hear Paul Harvey doing this, right? Yeah, I used to love listening to him. And 20 years because he had the hearing aid in the wrong ear. Spiritually, it's the same thing. Jesus is saying the same thing. You better have the hearing aid in the right ear. You better have them on, turned on, and listening because if you don't, you're going to miss more than 20 years. You're going to miss an eternity if you miss this. And that's what Jesus is saying here. It's the same tr- is true spiritually. We have to be able to hear spiritual truths or it will affect our whole life now and forever, affect our life. And that's the key. But the ears that Jesus is talking about are not the ears on our head. It's the ears of our heart that he's referring to here. And then he, gets, then we, then he talks about the purpose of the parable. And you see the purpose of the parable is what? To hide something. It's to keep the Pharisees and their followers from the secret of the kingdom of God. That doesn't sound fair, does it? That's not the nice Jesus we heard about in Sunday school. That doesn't sound fair, does it? But in order to really understand why he did this, we have to look at Matthew 13, which is a parallel passage. And Matthew brings out more of the story, the rest of the story, just like Paul Harvey, and now you know the rest of the story. He's bringing out the rest of the story to get this. In Matthew 13, 15... Following up this verse, Jesus goes on to say, For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and I'll get this, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. They willfully close their eyes. These Pharisees and their followers that are rejecting Jesus have willfully closed their eyes. So he's keeping them out of the loop because of what they will do with that info. What will, if Jesus comes right out and gives them the full story right away, what will they do immediately? Crucify him immediately. And Jesus is on a three-year plan, right? He's got this three-year ministry plan. It's not time yet. Remember Matthew 7, 6, when Jesus said, in Matthew 7, 6, Jesus said, remember we looked at this? He said, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. Remember the pearls and pigs? If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. And that's exactly what the Pharisees would have done and their followers would have done if he had given them the full truth here. They would have trampled, they would have rejected what Jesus said and then turned and killed Jesus on the spot. They would have got him crucified way before his time. And Jesus knew that. They willfully closed their ears and he knows what they will do. It's not his time yet. The Pharisees and their followers had crossed a line. They crossed the line of grace. And that's not easy to do, is it? I think all of us could tell many stories about how we battled God, sinned against God. Even this week we could tell some stories, right? How we, how we rejected Jesus for years, how we disobeyed him, how we ran from him. But Jesus, we know, is patient and forgiving. So to go this far, they had to go a long way. They basically, we saw last week, called Jesus Satan. That's how far they had gone. They were like Pharaoh. Remember Pharaoh? How his heart was hard? And what did, you, what did God do to Pharaoh's heart? Harden it more. Every play, he hardened it more and hardened it more. Until he finally had complete hardening of the arteries, the hardening of the attitudes, right? He had completely turned his heart to stone for the judgment. But Pharaoh's heart was already hard. God just continued to harden it. And the, these people who Jesus is talking to had gone 
as beyond that. They had gone beyond the hardening. They had gone beyond the line of grace. And, and Jesus quotes here Isaiah chapter 6. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is called to ministry, and then God gives him a special call to the people of Israel. But the people of Israel at this time, this was after hundreds of years of prophets warning them and pleading with them and being stoned to death for their, for their warnings. They, they had turned, they had become completely apostate. They had turned to their idols completely, except for a small remnant of people, had turned completely to these idols, and God said, that's it. I'm done. In fact, let's look at Isaiah 6, which is where Jesus is quoting from. And in Isaiah 6, verse 8, we see his call. Isaiah, it says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. So Isaiah answers God's call to go and speak to the people of Israel. But then look what he says. God says, He said, Go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people callous. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Now we know they willfully had already turned their eyes. We know that. Close their eyes, I mean. But God now is completing the closing. We know their hearts are already hard, and God is completing. They've crossed a line. He answers the call. But what was his call? Isaiah's call was to fail. Some ministry call, right? How would you like to have that kind of call? Some of us get it. We're called to fail. We're almost getting there in this country, aren't we? We're almost getting there here. This country has turned so far away. You can see the parallels with Israel, the apostasy. We're getting very, very close to a call to fail. That God is going to turn away from this country. There will be a remnant. There will be a remnant revival. But we are in, we are, in the United States is in danger of this same God closing off to us. Turning us over to our sin. You read the papers. You read the internet news. You, you watch the news. It's like the book of Judges, isn't it? It's like crazy what's going on. It's, it's like a nightmare. It's like a horror movie. But God is turning us over, closing us, closing the, the, we've crossed the line of grace, closing off. And if there's not a revival, starting in the church and spreading to the country, we're going to have the same experience that the apostate Israel experienced. It's revival or judgment. And we're on that, we're on that line. We're walking that tightrope, just like the guy who just walked over the Grand Canyon. We're walking a tightrope. So Jesus, this is what has happened to the people in Israel back in Isaiah's time. This is what has happened with the Pharisees and their followers in Jesus' time. Not all the Jews, many, many Jewish people turned to Christ. The whole New Testament church was Jewish. Nothing changed for many years. It, was, it wasn't until the book of Acts when God sent persecution and scattered them out of Jerusalem that it went to the Gentiles. But, but, the, but many of the Jews followed Christ. Jesus was a Jew. His apostles were all Jews. The early church was almost all Jewish. So it wasn't all the Jewish people. There was a remnant that followed Jesus. But the, the Pharisees and their followers rejected him. So Jesus teaches in secret parables. And that's all he teaches. Back to chapter... Uh, Mark chapter 4, look at verses 33 to 34, where he says, 
It's all he taught in. Verses 33 to 34, he says, With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. And we're going to see that as we go on. He taught in parables. It's like a foreign language to these people that had closed their hearts. Their hearts were closed. He was speaking like in a foreign language, which our Dominican team is going to experience soon. Some of them know some Spanish, but some don't. And they're going to find out most people, uh, they already know this, most people in the Dominican Republic speak Spanish only. And I remember when I went on a trip, Kim and I took a youth group on a trip years ago, a long time ago now, and we got there, and it was really strange to need an interpreter for all the different ministries we were doing. And I remember being in the church services, and they would, we'd get to the church service at 11 for the service, and nobody would show up for an hour. You know, you think it's bad here? No, no, it's a lot worse than the Dominican Republic. They would come an hour late, and then they would start, and then they would go for hours, 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 singing and, and preaching and testifying. And it was great, except I couldn't understand a word they were saying, you know? At one time, I was just starting to fall asleep, and, and the rain started coming down. We were on one of these outdoor, garage, it was like a garage church, just had a sheet of metal over top of us, and the rain come. Also, I heard this explosion. The rain just hit, like, just really hit. Hit, the, hit this roof, this tin roof, and I was like, woke up, and also, I felt something on my head. It was a frog jumped off of the off of the wall onto my head. It was scared. By, so it, you know, I had a frog on my head in church. And but but it was hours of hours of not understanding. And this is what was going on with these Pharisees. They couldn't get it because these parables were meant to test people's hearts to expose faith or unbelief. Parables either re, now get this. Parables either reveal truth or conceal truth depending on the condition of the heart it's what god's word does today isn't it it's exactly what god's word does today many times we we read the same bible verse i'll read the same verse to a christian and someone who's who's close to it not seeking it's awesome if you're seeking and people are seeking great you know keep on seeking keep on searching i'm not talking about someone who's not a christian yet who's seeking and searching and, and trying to find god that's awesome that's where most of these people who are here in the parables were at. That's where they are. They were seeking for Jesus. But I'm talking about people who have closed their heart, closed their eye, closed their eyes, closed their ears. And I'll, I'll, we'll be discussing something, and I'll share the same verse with them. And, and, and that same verse that to a Christian or to a seeker sparks something in them, that same verse repulses them, makes them angry. Viciously angry sometimes. I could tell you stories, right? Viciously angry. And, and it, it's, it's the same thing. I often get calls. Some will say, I, I want help with something, and I'll meet with them, and, and we'll sit down, and sometimes I'll have Kim involved in it. We'll sit down, and they'll say, I really want help, and, and I'll, I'll start to share with them from the Bible for their situation, whatever it is. And, and, and I, I test them with the Word of God. I hit them right between the eyes with it. Speak the truth in love. I do it in a loving way, but I speak the truth. And sometimes Kim will say, was that too much for them? I mean, I, I, well, it was the Bible. Oh, yeah, but what, do you think it was too much? I said, listen, I'm testing them. I'm testing to see if their hearts are open or not. Because if I'm trying to see, are they really searching? And should we invest in them? Or are they just here to drain us and to distract us? Jesus did it. Who did he do it with? The rich 
young ruler. Comes to him, I want to follow you. And Jesus, poof, hit him with the word. And the guy walked away. Did Jesus run down the road? Please, come on, we're going to make it more friendly. I'm sorry for offending you. I shouldn't have quoted the Bible to you. And I, I wish I hadn't said all those things. Come back, come back. We need your tithe, you know. No. He didn't do that. He lovingly, he, loved, he said he loved, the, he, he looked at him and loved him. And then he spoke the truth to him. And the young man left. He tested him. Because all that guy would have done is drained and distracted and end up turning on Jesus, right? And, and that's what the Word of God does now. It tests us. It tests us. And what we do with the Word of God makes all the difference in our life. In Matt, look at verses 20, Mark chapter 4, verses 21. It shows the difference that it makes what we do with the Word. And he said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or under a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And Jesus is talking about the knowledge of these parables here. He's talking about that now. He says, Jesus isn't hiding the light. It's out in the open. I'm not hiding it. He says, it's, not, it's out in the open if you haven't closed your eyes. If you have ears to hear, it's right there. And it's still true today. God's word, God, the gospel is out there for everyone. In this country, anybody has access to this gospel. There's Bibles everywhere. There's internet. There's sermons on the radio and on TV. And, and, and you can Google. You can hear anything about God's word today in this country. In most of the world, really. Most of the world has access. Even some of the countries that are closed off, there's still radio broadcasts that people can still hear. God's word is available. But oh, I'm going to stick to here, the United States. But the real issue, the real key, is what we do with the word. What we do with it, verse 24 and 25, consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With a measure you use, it will be measured to you, and even more, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And he's this is what he's talking about. The real key is what will we do with what we have. Every time we hear God's truth and we reject it, every time we hear it and we reject God's truth in some way, the light grows dim it gets more dim but every time we accept it every time we accept it and and live it and 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 let it draw us closer to god we're given more it's like those old video games we have an old video game grandpa gave the kids a, one of those old machines downstairs he has a whole bunch of them and and I still can't beat the kids even though I grew up with them uh, with these games but but a lot of these games are where you're you're going through some kind of a maze or you're going through some kind of a battle and there's these little icons that jump out at you, cherries or apples or something. And the goal is, is whenever they jump out, you have to grab it. And if you do, you get more energy. you got this little bar that jumps ahead and you get more energy. But every time you miss one of those, you lose energy in your battle or your journey or trying to get to where you're going or you're fighting someone and you have to grab these energy things energy drinks, whatever they are, right? And, 
and that's, that's what spiritually it's like, our journey. We're going through this maze and we're trying to get to a goal. And, and God's word is there and his promises are there and his truth is there. And as we're searching for God, we can grab those and get more light and get more energy. Or we can ignore them and fade, fade, fade. And all of a sudden, you're dead on the, on the screen, right? You, you fade, you start blinking, blinking, and you're gone. And that's what the same thing is true spiritually. It's the same thing. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian yet, but you're seeking and you're searching. And the more that we accept, now understand this, the more that you search and the more you accept of God's truth and you receive of it, the more God will reveal to you. The more he reveals to us. And what we do with Jesus makes all the difference. Either in this life we're going to reject him and stumble blindly, or we're going to have joy and peace and purpose. We're going to have eternal life with him or face eternal judgment. What we do with Jesus and his word and his knowledge and what he teaches us makes all the difference. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you taken that step of faith yet? And it's the same for Christians. We are constantly taking these steps of faith in our life, aren't we? And you notice something about, as a Christian, we're saved by faith. We put our faith in Christ. We say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sins. I ask you to forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. We take that step. We put our faith in him. But then it's the living by faith. But the living by faith is the same thing. God is constantly giving us his word. And he's constantly showing us what he wants us to do. But it's not until we take a step of faith that he reveals the next step. Right? Whoever has will be given more. It's, it's when we're trying to figure out, do I take, I'll use a job. Should I take this job? I don't know if I should take this job. But God is, but, or let me, let me just put it this way. What do we really want? We really want to see our life laid out very plainly before us. Right? Move here, marry this person, take this job, do this, do that. We want to see everything laid out cleanly before us, right? We want all of our ducks laid out in a row by God. But God doesn't do that, does he? He says, I want you to take this step of faith today. And we're afraid to take it, or we don't want to take it, or we we don't respond in obedience to God's word. We don't do it. And guess what? We're still stuck on that step a year later. Because we won't take that step of faith. But what happens when we take that step of faith? Then another step appears. And God gives us the next step. And the next step. And the next step. And that's how God works. We, re- we react to what God teaches us from the word. The knowledge he gives us. The revelation he's given us. The, the leading of the Holy Spirit he's given us. And that's how God works. What, if we respond to him... He'll keep doing it. And what we do in our life with his word, his revelation, is the key to growing. We can either grieve the Holy Spirit, become spiritually dull, dead spiritually, or we can be filled with the Spirit. How? By reading his word and, and, and worshiping him and, and prayer through his word and letting his word lead us. And, and, and then his word comes alive when we're not grieving the Holy Spirit. What happens when we read the Bible? The same Bible that was like so kind of dull a week ago. We're in the Spirit. It's alive. It's speaking to us. It's really right to our heart. And, and when we do that, and when we do that, everything comes alive spiritually, doesn't it? 
things in our life. We say, wow, I see God everywhere. Some days I don't see, where are you, God? Other days, he's everywhere. He's working here, he's working there, he's teaching me here. It, it just comes alive when we're in the Spirit. And, and we not only in our life, but we see him in the world. We read the, you, you read the news, you watch the news, and you can see him working everywhere in Israel and in the whole Arab world and all that's going on. And they're talking about rebuilding the temple, and everything's coming alive because we see the word coming alive. The key is, what will we do with the revelation he's given us? What will we do with what he's given us? And will we respond? What will we do with the gifts he's given us? Will we respond? 2 Timothy 1.6, awesome verse. In 2 Timothy 1.6 it says, For this reason I remind you to fan in the flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. We're called to fan in the flame the gift of God that we have. The gifts we have, we, we either use it or we lose it. I can't wait for the, the Dominican team to come back, the Dominican Republic team to come back, because they are going to be, they are going to be on fire. They're fanning in the flame. I guarantee you, you, you step out of your comfort zone, and you, you take this step of faith, and you go where you're not comfortable, and God does some amazing things. I can't wait to have them come back and, and share in uh, three weeks from today, on the uh, 18th, to share that, because I know it's going to be a, they're going to be blessed beyond belief, and they're going to bring that blessing back to us. I can't wait. We can use it or lose it. We have to fan into flame that gift. Grace getting ready to go on the mercy ship in another month and a half. Getting ready to go on the mercy ship. She, Grace will come back on fire from the mercy ship. Or she may not come back at all. She may just keep on sailing, you know. Remember the last guy we sent off, you know. That Scott guy, you know, Charity Water. You know the rest of the story. We don't know where God will take her. But, but it's that fanning that in the flame will we follow God and, and use the gifts and use what he's given us and take these steps of faith let's pray how is God speaking to us maybe we're here today and we've been a Christian for a long time but our faith is cold or we maybe just last week we've been feeling kind of out of it but that's not where we want to be, and that's not where Jesus Christ wants us. How does he speak to us? Maybe it's a step of faith that he's calling us to take in our life or in our ministry, reaching out to somebody. Maybe there's something in our life that is blocking his power quenching the spirit. Maybe he's putting a fire in our heart for something. How is God's spirit speaking to us? Let's just take some time to talk to him. And while we're praying about that, maybe you're here today and you're seeking, you're searching for Jesus. Maybe for the first time you've heard the word preached. Maybe your prayer is, God, I want to keep seeking. I want to keep searching. I want to find you. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Rejected God, turned your back on him. If you're here today, you haven't closed your eyes. You haven't closed your ears. You haven't crossed the line of grace. The Holy Spirit is pulling you and drawing you. Maybe you're even ready today to put your faith in Jesus. You're ready today to... Give your life to Jesus Christ. Do it.
talk to God, pray to him. Say, God, I, I ask you to forgive me for every sin I've ever committed, for every disobedient act I've ever done, for, for running from you, turning away from you, anything I've done that has broke your holiness and justice. I ask you to forgive me. I repent of that. And I put my faith in your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for me, who came back alive from the dead for me. I put my faith in him. Forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus, and I'm going to follow you, God. I give you my life. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, the Holy Spirit has come inside of you and his word is going to be alive now. When you read his word, it's going to be alive. It's not going to be a foreign language. It's going to be something that speaks right to your heart. And God is going to change your life. I want to encourage you to let somebody know if you came with someone, a friend or family member, tell someone, tell me on the way out, tell out the card, text me, email me, call me just so we can be excited for you and help you grow in your new faith. Father, we need your grace. We need your grace to hear your word, and even more important, to live your word. We need your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.